Hello, and welcome to Solid Word Bible Church. On behalf of Pastor J. Curtis Costin, we are delighted that you are joining us and trust that you will be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. I'm glad to fellowship with you in song today. And I would just like to remind all of us that we are here for a purpose, and that purpose is to love. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. So let us show him our love today. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Yeah. 
Solidware families, we have an online worship and Bible lesson just for our nursery through fifth grade that can be found at solidword.org slash solidkids. Be sure to click on the button for family discussion questions. I hope you enjoy your time with the Lord. What are you turning to white? Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, none like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power.
glad again to be able to be back before you. I'm really grateful for those that have led us in worship over these past few weeks and really helped to focus and to settle our hearts and to point us toward God as we get into his word. Today, we um, start a brand new series. It's one that we already had planned um, to speak at this time. And I believe God, by his sovereign grace, mercy, and his strong hand, makes this something that is highly applicable for our time and for what we're going through. We will be making a journey through the book of Ruth. And in these weeks in which we will spend time in the book, we will allow ourselves to be blessed and encouraged and strengthened by God's word as he shows us his sovereign hand through this much-loved book. This book, if you're wondering where it is, this book sits between um, the book of Judges and the book of 1 Samuel. And because of that, it sits, this book sits between the time of the Judges when there was no king after the conquest of Joshua and Caleb and the book that talks about the initiating and the bringing on of the kings of Israel. And so we have this time in, I mean, uh, we have this time you know, where we have seen God reign, I mean, and God work victoriously through those, um, through those stalwarts in um, Israelite history, Joshua and Caleb. And then we turn and we see the time when the kings come, and of course is where King David comes on the scene. And of course, we would have that term, the son of David, in which would refer to the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself, that would come from that lineage. But in between that time, we have the time of the judges. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we start the first verse um, this week, as we'll be looking at uh, Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. But also, there are some themes I want you to remember and to look at as we go through this book. Number one, we'll see God's sovereign hand in the time of rebellion and darkness. And we'll talk about that rebellion and darkness a little later as we get into the message. We'll see this theme of, of, of God seeing, God noticing the needy, the destitute, and the foreigner, or some versions of your Bible will call it the sojourner. Today we would say the immigrant, that person that travels uh, from their home country to another and settles in this new country, this, this, this new culture. We'll also see that God uses faithful, loving, and loyal people to demonstrate his character and his ways. We'll also see faithfulness that is rewarded in God's time and in God's way. And then lastly, this book is a foreshadow, of course, of the sacrificial, redeeming love of Jesus Christ, who would give himself as our ultimate kinsman redeemer. And so, one of the things we'll also see outside the themes and the setting here is really, this was such a well-loved book when it was penned. And that for ages and ages, it was this book, this short book, only 85 verses in this book because of this dramatic love story and, this, and, um, and the story of tragedy, love, drama, 
restoration. This is the stuff that modern day movies could be made of. And so today we're going to start that journey and, 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 and God wants you to feel the emotions that will be in this story. God wants you to, 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 to hear, to see, to join in, to get on those lows and those highs and to see how he is for you yourself as he shows us from this time the kind of God he is and still is in our time. This book, really, I would urge you to read it all in one sitting. It's not long. You will capture the essence. You will feel the emotions. You will see and hear and feel and be transported into this world if you better if you read it all at once. And things will come together. I would even encourage you to read it multiple times as you have time and as you're looking for something to read or to do. Instead of binging on that show, I'm going to ask you maybe that you take Ruth and you read it one or two times, maybe even three, and you begin to notice some different things in it. <clears throat> but join me today. We're only going to do, since I did the introduction, verses 1 through 6, and we'll finish chapter 1 next week, and then we will do chapters by weeks. So chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Father, thank you again for this opportunity to get into your word. I pray <clears throat> that indeed as we enter into this book um, that you have intended to be a part of your revelation of who you are and of what you desire and expect. Father, I pray that indeed that we will learn from it what you have destined us to learn. May we see you, God, in a greater and deeper way, and may we respond with greater obedience and passion for you. Father, may it do in us what you intend, and may we grow as we put it into practice. Give us wisdom and insight. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to have two points today. One is a journey of tragedy, and the second one is a glimmer of hope. The name of this series, and I don't know if I've even said this, was Ruth, Redemption from the Ruins. And it really speaks to how God redeems the mess and the, uh, uh, the, 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 the tragic things that happen as a result of our fallen humanity. 
<clears throat> and this particular sermon, this particular message today, I'm going to subtag a journey of hope turned tragic. A journey of hope turned tragic. You know, today, <clears throat> as we think about how this year began, and it was one of these banner years, we all looked at 2020 <clears throat> with this keen sense of what was going to happen in this year. <clears throat> Many of us talked about 2020 vision. Uh, many have said this was going to be something new and something special and that we were looking for it with, with, with high hopes and great expectancy, only to have it come crashing down in many ways when this COVID-19, this coronavirus, when this crisis hit <clears throat> and put everything on hold. And we found ourselves in a time that we utterly did not expect. We had hopes of something special. And although we were trusting God for whatever came, we did not on our worst imaginative day think that it would turn out like this. And so for some, and with the loss of loved ones and friends and co-workers and colleagues, for many, this thing of great hope turned tragic, turned sad. And so as we dig into this first part of Ruth, I, I want you to trek with me there, but I want you to trek with me here as well. And that we see how their story applies to us today. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. It's going to stop there because the very first part of that first verse sets it up for us. <clears throat> it says, in the days when the judges ruled. And so what it does is that it takes you back to the book that in our Bible is right before it, the book of Judges. And it's the book that I said, it's that time whenever it was one of the darkest times in Israel's history. It was one of rebellion. It was one of, 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 of human autonomy. It was one of great pushback against God. It was one where people acted as they thought without regard to the law of God. They had no king to not only lead them as a nation because they didn't want God as their king, but they also, this was a time when there was no king to lead them to God. And as I said earlier, this is this time that is in between the conquest and between the kings, between the conquest of Joshua and Caleb and the kings. And if you read in Judges at the very end, I'm going to turn back just one. If you do that with me to Judges 21, 25, it gives a summary of the book. And it also gives a summary of the time in which the book of Ruth is set. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. <clears throat> Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That gives you the picture. Whatever I thought, if I thought it was right, I did it, whether God approved or not. If I wanted to do something, I'm going to do it because, hey, I just feel like doing it. 
Don't tell me what to do. This is all about me. I'm going to make sure my rights are kept. This was a time of great selfishness. This was a time of great meanness. I know that's not a word, but where they were their own gods of their own worlds. And whenever they would fall into um, an enemy from outside coming in to overrun them and to oppress them, God would raise up a judge that would help them to push back the enemy, draw the people to God, and so that they would repent and get back on track with God and back in fellowship with God. And it would until the time of that judge, I mean, and, and, and the time of that judge ended and the people would go back into sin and start to go away from God and start the whole cycle over again. And they would cry out to the Lord and God in his mercy would provide another judge. And that cycle kept going. When you read the book of Judges, it is violent, it is hard, it is dark, because that's what happens when you don't want to be under the rule of God. And so you have to think, this is the setting. In the days when the judges rule. And then it says, that it was a famine in the land of Bethlehem. Understand this, this is real interesting. The word, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. And it was because of all that grew in that region in Israel. And so for them, the house of bread had no bread. There was a famine in the land that God had allowed to have many crops and and the wheat that grew and the flourishing that was there, that there hit a famine. Now, this land and this area was known to have famines. We do see times in which famines are are looked at at sometimes that they are judgments, sometimes that 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 indeed God would send it and would cause that to happen. Here, the author of the book of Ruth, whom we don't know, doesn't make a commentary on whether this famine was because of judgment or or not. All we know is that it happened. And so we have to be careful to say, well, God was judging this land. He could have been. We don't hear of a famine mentioned in Judges during that time. But but indeed, one happened in the land. And this this famine was a crisis for the area, for the region. It was a life threatening crisis. You don't get food, you don't live long. And so we see here that the crisis hit. It hit everyone in that land. And this one family that God is going to highlight, this one family makes a response. There were dry times in the house or in the in the house of bread, in the place of God's provision, in the place where God had provided previously, there now was a dry time. How about you? You've ever hit those times? You ever hit those times when God has previously provided and he has previously blessed and things were going well 
even if you weren't walking with him obediently, even if you might have depicted some of the attitudes of the people in the time of the judges, in which said, I'm going to do what I want without much regard for God. And then crisis hits, and all of a sudden, everyone's attention is now focused on survival. And as he, I mean, as the writer goes on, they talk about a decision that was going to be made. And it just mentions it all in one sentence, that this man and his family decided to leave where they were to sojourn, to become foreigners, to become immigrants. And they were going to most likely go around the northern edge of the Dead Sea and come around cross through some land. We don't know why they chose Moab. Now, just in case you're wondering and thinking, there were different times in which Israel were both enemies or friendly with Moab. If you read through the book of Judges, you'll see some of those as well, that there were times in which they had friendly relationships, but many of the times they had um, um, a very adversarial relationship. And these must have been, and it's thought of one of those times in which it wasn't adversarial, otherwise they would not have been able to go there in safety. And so they make the trip around. We don't get a commentary on whether this was disapproved or not, but some of the context you have to ask why this place, the history of Moab, was one that was um, was ungodly among ungodly, and, 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 and many of the practices that were there were outside of the will of God. You remember the way this nation came about was when Lot, after being delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah, ran into the mountains, and as he was there with his two daughters, ended up having an incestuous relationship with his daughter, and the child that was born birthed the nation of the Moabites. And so you had this ungodly nation that even in their history was used, some of their women, to seduce the men of Israel, that they would leave their wives in Israel and go after Moabite women. And so you have this history of ungodliness. Why Elimelech chose that place, I don't know, but understand, though, that they decide to leave the place where they previously had God's provision and to travel to a place known for its ungodliness. Now, God can keep in ungodly places. Remember, Abraham traveled into Egypt, and God kept him at that time, although there were dangers there. But why he chose Moab, we don't know. So he goes down, and they give the names of the people. The names are interesting. You have to understand this. I'm wondering, though, if indeed they were seeking provision by their own leading going there. And so he decides to take his family there. He says the man's name was Elimelech. Understand the name Elimelech, um, uh, Elimelech means God is our king or God is king. Wow. In a nation that didn't want God as king and acted as they did, God is king was living there. A man named God is king. But then he leaves the place, the house of bread, the house of God's provision. And he goes to a place where they hope they will find the answer to what they want. His wife's name, Naomi, means pleasant. 
So you had God as king and pleasant leaving the house of bread and traveling to Moab, a place known for its ungodliness. And then, of course, they have two sons. And we know, of course, that they end up living there um, for many, for several years. And some wonder if they had any plans of returning, maybe later, but, but, uh, but they were definitely planning on being there to, to, to run out, to, to, to stay past this famine so that they could provide for their family. It was already a tough time. It was already one in which they had to make some, some, some hard decisions. And so they left family and, and they left friends because they wanted to provide whether ill-advised or not, or whether the best decision or not, we don't get on that, but they made a choice and they moved. And then tragedy hits. Remember, this is a journey of hope turns tragic. Tragedy hits. Scripture says, Elimelech dies. And typically when that happens, when in that male-dominated, that male-centered culture, when the man dies, if you had sons, they would step up and take the place as family protector, as, as, as family provider, as the one who looked out for the well-being of the family, um, as the one who covered their women. And we are still doing that today, although our women come alongside and help just as fervently and just as strong. But here, they did not have the voice that women have today, that 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 indeed when that male protector and male presence was not there, they were left alone and unprotected. So when Elimelech died, think of the sadness in Naomi that would have come about. We've already left our family and our friends and we came to this new land, one that, <clears throat> that um, might have been iffy anyway, and we get here and we're trying to make our way and actually do all that we can to survive. And the husband dies. And then it continues on with just this onslaught of tragic events to one family that happens one behind the other. Verse 2, um, <clears throat> sorry, verse 3, it says, But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. At least she had the comfort of her sons that could produce an heir. She wasn't going to have any more children by them. We don't know if Elimelech had any brothers or not back in um, in Bethlehem, but they were far away. Uh, Elimelech dies, and their sons that are left decide to take Moabite wives, and so they leave. They actually bring the culture into the family now. And as they bring the culture into the family and, and, and they begin to live, it said they lived there for 10 years. But do you notice something that was happening with this in that 10 years? A few things happen that we can see and hear in these next few verses. In verse 5 it says, And both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. So here it was, she had one tragedy after moving away from family and friends, and then her sons take on wives, and there's the hope, there's a hope of, of, 
of heirs. There's a hope of, of, of grandsons that would continue the family name. Yes, granddaughters as well to come, but the family name would continue through the grandsons. And that family legacy and name in this culture was extremely important. And yet, after 10 years, there are no children from either of them. <clears throat> now understand, God is sovereign, and he is the one that opens and closes wombs. We don't get a commentary on whether this is judgment or not, but we have to look and see. Within Scripture, we do see God closing and opening the womb that is his discretion, but we also see many times barrenness is, <clears throat> is not only an act of judgment, but it's just an act of a fallen society. Elizabeth, who lived justly and righteously with her husband, the parents of John the baptizer, was barren for years. And then when he was born, she says how the Lord took away her shame. And so that wasn't, and, and so for her, it was what happens in life and God has allowed it and he didn't allow any children there. I don't know why in this case, but here now both her sons die without having any children. Can you imagine right now just the one two, three punch she's gotten. It's like the knockout punch. And there are no kids. And so here she's left, no husband to protect, no sons with no heirs. And I have two foreign women in this culture that I've moved to. And the three of us are going to have to learn how to thrive and survive. And as a matter of fact, the way the text puts it, it's, it, it doesn't even name her. It says, and the woman was left. It gives you that thought that Naomi now has almost completely lost her identity in this foreign land. Tragedy hits. You just start to think of, oh my gosh, what would I do? I mean, that could have been even me as we lived overseas. And I thought about that. If anything had happened to me while we lived there and then something happened to my Two sons, while we lived there, how my wife would think and what would be happening, what we would be going through her mind as she was like, what am I going to do? Now, granted, laws are different in that she's not left unprotected, but she's left without the loves in her life. And heirs to carry on the name. And so we sit here and we go, why would God allow that? Why would the Lord allow this to happen? And we're going to see next week how Naomi responds to this and, and what happens as a result. And so she is devastated, obviously. And with all this sadness and tragedy, there is this glimmer of hope. And that's my second and last point. There was a journey of tragedy and then there is a glimmer of hope. Verse 6, it says, Then she arose. And that talks about she made this decision. She decides we're going to do something different. You can imagine she had been mourning. She had been devastated. It seems like she lost her identity. And I love Naomi in this. And as raw as it gets, and we'll see this next week, she gets up. She doesn't stay there. This woman, although battered, beaten, and knocked down, stands up. It said she arose. 
She's like, I'm not staying here. As tragic as it is, as hard as this is, as devastating as this is, I'm getting up. She had heard some news. It said, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Now let's look at this glimmer of hope. She received news of God's provision back at the house of bread in Bethlehem. But notice where they were. They were out in the fields, which means they were fighting and working for their own survival in the fields in this foreign country. We don't even know what they were allowed to do and, and, and how they were allowed to do it. We know that it would have been difficult because they would have been prey to people who wanted to abuse and to use them. And one day she heard while they were in the fields working to survive. She heard that God was providing back at home. God's hand of provision had now come back in that area and God had blessed it. And so instead of staying there angry, nope, I ain't going to do that. If God didn't take care of me here, I don't want what he's got over there. She got up and decided that at least I can go home. I am part of the family of God. I am still within the family of God because I am a child of Israel, and I'm going to go back. And she got up and took her daughters-in-law with her. She could return home. Why? Because she was still a member of the people and the family of God. And today, that's where we're going to end. I want you to look at this, that in the middle of the tragedy, God offered a ray of light shining in the darkness. He offered to them this, this light shining out going, maybe there's something there. See, all we see is the tragedy. And all we see is all these things that are happening against me and against them. But do we see the glimmer of God's merciful and strong hand beginning to work? We've heard the stories of Tremendous sadness that has been happening during this crisis. But have you seen the, 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 the hand of the Lord working as well? Have you heard, have you listened to those stories of the Lord working and his hand reaching out with these glimmers of hope and of, and of his favor and of his strength? And even though you may be reeling and falling backwards because of the news that you've received or because of the tragic events, take a closer look. Begin to listen to the news of God's providing back in the place where God dwells, back in his place of provision, back where he shows you himself. For us, we are fed on the word of God. And you may have even had some dry times as you've been um, 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 working through this tragedy and working through what's been happening in your life. And God says, return and allow me to provide for you and to give you food. 
Go back to the place where God can provide. And so that's what she does. And here's why she can. And here's what I want to close with. She is still a member of the family of God. She did not cease to be an Israelite. She did not cease to be a woman of Bethlehem. And so she could return. She could go back. Yeah, they left with hopes of making it in a new place, in a different place, and, and, and it was their decision, and it just blew up miserably. Tragedy happened, life happened, but she said, I'm going home. I'm going back to where God is blessing. And so today, do you see that glimmer of hope in the middle of all the tragedy? Let me ask you four questions as we close today. Are you making decisions according to the word of God or according to what you think or feel as you go through this crisis or any crisis? How are you making those decisions? Are you going by what you think or are you going by what God says? Second question, how do you respond when there is a lack of provision where God has previously provided? How do you respond when there is a lack of provision where God has previously responded? Third question, when multiple difficult or tragic things come, how are you looking for the light of the hope of the Lord? Do you see something there where the Lord is providing and you head toward it? Or are you going to sit and stay where you are in misery and not rise up and head back to where God is providing? And then lastly, do you remind yourself that you are a member of the family of God when tragedy hits? Now, if you haven't confessed Christ, if you've not repented of your sins, if you've not confessed them, repented, and that you have allowed yourself to, to, to embrace the forgiveness of the Lord through the finished work of Jesus Christ, if you've not done that, you can't claim it, but you can. That can change. But if you have, are you reminding yourself that regardless of what happens, that you are still a member of the family of God? Naomi did. And it caused her to rise up when she heard the news of God's provision. And so today, be encouraged. Allow the Lord to minister to you. Allow the Lord to cause you to arise if tragedy has hit you hard. And to head toward where God is providing I would say for one thing, begin to get back into his word and into fellowship with him if that has gone by the wayside. Or if you've been doing that, continue to journey in his word and prayer before him and be intimate so that you can be strengthened and encouraged. That glimmer of hope God gives many times we see throughout scripture. And as people follow the light and the glimmer of the hope of God, they are wonderfully rewarded. Next week, we'll look at how Naomi responded and how they journeyed back into Bethlehem and continue the story 
of God's redemption from the ruins. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity again to be in your word. I thank you, God, that we have been able to see in the middle of tragedy and in the middle of human anarchy against you, your sovereign strong hand still works on our behalf. And today, Lord, we even put that as well, that in the middle of crisis, in the middle of a, a, a life-threatening crisis, God, that, that we can come to you. We don't have to do as we want. We don't have to live as if we have no ruler or king over us, Father. As believers, we can run to you and allow you to cover us as you will. And so today we pray that we would find that glimmer of hope in you and allow you to strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I just really want to be able to say to you that may be watching that you may have come here and you don't know if you are a part, or you may know that you're not a part of the family of God, not because you don't attend somebody's church, but you've never recognized that you were in sin. You were born that way, because we all were. You've never recognized that you had need for forgiveness, because Scripture says that we all have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory, every last one of us that has been born on this planet. You haven't been a part of the family of God or you, you, you know you haven't become or you aren't sure because you haven't received the finished work of Christ on the cross because he, because he suffered, he bled, he died and was resurrected so that we could be in communion with God. You've never done that. But it can all change today in that Christ stands ready to have what he made room for to happen to you. And that is for you to come and receive him as your savior and let him be Lord over your life. And that can just happen as again, you confess your sins, you repent of them, you believe that Jesus is who he says he is according to the scriptures and that by asking for him to forgive and for him to rule in your life, you become a part of the family of God. If you did that or if you will do that today, I want you to do two things. Can you tell a friend that you know is a follower of Christ? Can you text them, phone them, FaceTime them, however you communicate with people if they're not in your house? If they're in your house, let them know. But can you also let us know? We would love for you to let us know. We would love to be able to pray with you. We would love to journey with you and encourage you from this point on. And so today, please leave encouraged. Ruth is a story of redemption. And God intends that we know that he has made provision to redeem us, to ransom us, to rescue and save us at his own cost. And join us next week as we continue in this journey of God's redemption from the world. Be blessed. You've been listening to a broadcast of Solid Word Bible Church located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. We pray that you were blessed by this video, and if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, 
Would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you? Again, thank you for joining us and may God continue to keep you until next time.